statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I'm thrilled to be in the studio this afternoon with a a very special guest who happens to be uh, from the Philadelphia area. Before we get started, I'd like to give out the call-in number. If you're listening to the show and you'd like to call in and ask a question, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so by dialing 888 329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And be sure to check out our website and our lineup. Uh, We have an incredible lineup of, of women coming on the show from not only the United States, but outside as well. And you can find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two watch.net. So I'd like to get right to um, welcoming my guest to the show this afternoon. Her name is Kara Ross, and Kara is an award-winning jewelry designer, uh, CEO and creative director of Kara Ross New York, and she's also the CEO and founder of a soon-to-be rebranded organization called Unleashed, which is a social uh, impact brand that supports girls' education and job creation globally. Kara, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Susan. I'm so happy to be on it. Thank you for inviting me to be on it. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. It seems though we uh, connected quite a while ago. It was probably over a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. And met here in Philadelphia for one of your uh, conferences and uh, here you are on the show today, and I'm so excited. You're you're a very busy woman with a lot of different things going on, um, oh. so I'm excited to share it. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm a, from Philadelphia originally. I grew up um, on the main line, and I my I have two sisters. The three of us went to Agnes Irwin. My brothers went to Haverford, and uh, I I love Philadelphia. I think it's great. My one sister went to University of Penn. And I have two nephews at Villanova now, so we're, oh, you we're do? all oh, over good. Philadelphia. Well, that's my yeah. alma mater. I love hearing that. And uh, we're, yeah. we're doing very well with our men's basketball. I don't know if you're a fan. <laughs> uh, no, because, you know, can I tell you, we I went to Georgetown, and when my freshman year, Georgetown played Villanova in the final game. Oh, we lost. Yes. You guys won. And, yes. uh, but, yeah, I, I do follow basketball. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite sports. Um, so, yes, I wanted to mention you You did grow up in Philadelphia, and you're the oldest of five, which I always mm-hmm. find interesting. Um, the oldest child in the family often um, kind of becomes a leader by default. Uh, I'm wondering if you can talk about your growing up years a little bit and, and what it was like um, as yeah. the oldest, and, and what kinds of activities were you involved in? Well, we um, grew up um, in Malvern uh, toward the end of the main line, and I'm the oldest of five. We're all within seven years, so we're very close in age, and we're very, very, very good friends. I, I feel so fortunate. You know, it was probably the biggest, one of the biggest blessings that my parents ever gave us was all of my siblings and how close we feel to each other. Um, 
my father is, um, or he's not practicing anymore. He retired. He was a surgeon. My mother was a stay-at-home mom until I think my youngest brother was in high school. Then she went back and got her master's in library sciences. And then she was one of the early um, people that job shared. So she and another um, woman, both who had their master's in library sciences, job shared at uh, Arco Chemical, which was kind of a mm. unusual thing back then. And now I think it's more commonplace for women to, uh, you know, to, to split jobs. So, and um, I would say in terms of, you know, being a leader, honestly, I, my siblings and I um, each, uh, we, they're all, we all are equally, uh, this, you know, we're all like that. So we played sports. My, um, I was, sports was a very big part of growing up. We, uh, again, went to Agnes Irwin. My two sister, sisters um, were I think one or both of them were all American in lacrosse, and my my brothers went to uh, one went to Georgetown, one went to Harvard, and um, great athletes. So we all we were we were all very fortunate in that we did well in high school and you know sports and academia. And um, we had I went to Georgetown as did my one brother. My one other sibling uh, brother and sister went to Harvard, and my other sister went to University of Penn. So. We all got a good education, and that was one of the things that my parents stressed growing up was, you know, it's imperative to uh, to study and to do well in school, and an education really gives you so many opportunities that otherwise you wouldn't have available. So um, that's one of the, I totally believe in that. I'm on the board of Georgetown now. I um, believe in giving back and helping support um, education. So. Well, that's quite a that's uh, yeah, quite a, an me. accomplished family. And uh, you had mentioned in to to me that you you come from a long line of strong women. Um, I always love to hear that. I I love the phrase kind of um, good stock. And your your grandmothers <laughs> from Ireland. I know we use that phrase a lot in our Irish family. You know, women of good stock. Um, so tell me uh, quickly about your your grandmothers, both your maternal grandmother. Um, and your paternal grandmother came over from Ireland young and as well were accomplished. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you think back to, my God, what what uh, what what men and women at the you know uh, those at those um, young ages went through, leaving their families, leaving, and just coming over to a brand new country yes. and trying to make it. I mean, they had the um, you know obviously the advantage that the the language was similar, but. Um, you know, my one grandmother didn't know anyone when she came here, and my other grandmother was, she had two sisters that were already here, but she was put on a boat at age 15 by herself and just had, you know, just go, because obviously the famine was over in Ireland, there mm-hmm. was a lot of poverty, and people wanted uh, something better for their children, so they they gave them the opportunity to come over here, and three out of four of our um, grandparents were um, from Ireland. So it really runs pretty strong in our in uh, in all of, in all of us. Yeah, it's it is an amazing thing to think about these young women, you know, as teenagers doing that, and and they didn't seem to give it much thought. It was just what they needed or wanted to do, right, to to um, start a, a better life. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, uh, that, listen, we're all a product of immigrants, then, right? That's right. And yes. look at what's look at what's going on now. And I think that you know, not to get into a political debate, and obviously the the security of the nation is you know front and foremost as it should be. But at the same time, 
my God, there's so many good people. Like I can't even imagine all. I mean, again, our grandparents had the um, advantage of speaking um, English. Well, what if you're coming from Syria? What if you're coming from the Middle East and you are lucky enough to immigrate and to get into either Canada or one of the few to get into the United States and completely start fresh, not knowing anyone, hopefully having a community of um, other Canadians or, or Americans that are going to welcome you with open arms, but no language uh, that that is similar. I mean, it's just unbelievable the uh, the challenges. Then so having to be so strong, you know. Yeah, the courage of that is is amazing. I've had quite a few guests that came from other countries and had to learn English before they were able yeah. to you know settle in anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. You know, I'm going to jump ahead for a second, Kara, because you, talking about that, one of the things um, that you mentioned with the launch of this organization that you're doing is hoping to unleash a, a borderless world. Tell me what mm-hmm. what you meant by that phrase. Well, I think you know, like. Tom Friedman, like the world is flat. I mean, now it's everything. That it, it really is a borderless world. It's so easy to to reach out and and to be a part of a much much larger community. Just I mean, just through the internet and through all of so many businesses now are international. And it, I mean, what we're 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 hoping to do now is, you know, I. Um, I believe in um, product and bringing beautiful product to market, selling it, and that creates jobs, it creates dignity, it creates opportunities. And and I think what, but what I what I mean by that with borderless is working with different communities in all different areas of the world and and bringing bringing their uh, talents to market and shining a spotlight on their talents, providing jobs, providing um, opportunities. And so then we can all be part of that, and we can all be part of a much, much larger community that gives back. It, that's right. And and when you bring whatever your own um, passions and skills are um, to, to those types of communities, um, you can do that, and you're certainly proving that. I want to go back for a minute. Did you always – have the love of being creative. Um, I, I know that you had a love for for fashion and clothing, but you know what you do as a gemologist is is very very specific. And uh, I wonder when that when that awareness came to you. At what age? Well, the first um, you know when I was my I think my sister and I were about thirteen and fourteen years old. My mom and dad took us to Kenya on a trip and we were Africa is a very very one of the largest um, areas for gemstones natural gemstones and they let us each pick um, two stones and I picked two green tourmaline my sister picked two uh, two garnets and when we got back to Philadelphia my mom who had designed and actually made some of her own jewelry and on uh, Philadelphia's um, it would be the equivalent of 47th Street here. It's called Jewelers Row in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And so she had a jeweler, and we were able to kind of design something. So I designed a 14-karat gold fluted ring. The, the shank was fluted with two little diamond accents. And and that was such a – you know, looking back on that, it was an amazing opportunity because – you know, jewelry, especially fine jewelry and, and anything having to do with something expensive with diamonds or whatever, I th- it's intimidating. Um, if you go into some of these fancy jewelry stores, especially in New York, it's a double locked door. You have to go through the one door, you get, you get in, you know, into yes. it's called a man trap, and then you have to get let in again, and it's intimidating, you know. Yeah. Um, and to think at such a young age, look, look what I have on my finger now. I created that. I made that. And mm-hmm. it was beautiful. I still have it today. I love it. 
And, you know, after graduating from college, I, I was at uh, Harper's Bazaar for a year. I went to Model Magazine for a year. And then I, you know, I thought, what do I really, really want to do? What do I love? And it was, I love gemstones. I love jewelry. I also love fashion. And putting the two, putting them all together, I um, went to GIA, which is Gemological Institute of America, mm-hmm. here in New York on Fifth Avenue. And it's a really fabulous education. Um, it's a six-month program. The first two months are all diamonds. The last four months are colored stones. And you take a test at the end of it, and if you pass, you're a certified gemologist. And having gone to Georgetown and always doing pretty well academically, I thought, oh, well, this is not going to be any, you know, n- not nothing challenging. And honestly, it's such a, a subject that, you know, I had never been exposed to before, like specific in- index, um, refract- I mean, refractive index, specific gravity, all of these things having to do with gemstones that... I had no clue about, and it was a lot of um, memorization, a lot, but it was super interesting. I loved mm. it. I passed, and um, that's that's kind of where I started. And so that, I, yes, I, I loved being creative. I minored in art history. I was a um, major in English major. I, I, I love the creative aspect, but I started from an academic um, standpoint from having that uh, knowledge, that um, educational knowledge as a gemologist, and then jumped from there into the creative. But I knew what I was doing. I, I mean, I know what I'm doing. I, I think um, if you don't know what you're doing and you're dealing with diamonds or colored stones, you can easily get taken advantage of so quickly. And again, when you're talking about something that's very expensive, you need to be able to deal with clients and have them with the utmost certainty know that you know what you're talking about and they can believe in you and you know. So I, um, when I started the business, had tons of clients and they all knew that I, I, um, I, I knew you were what I was expert. talking about. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's yeah. almost like there's a science behind, you know, it's not just jewelry. It's uh, gemology is really, there's there's a science. Because I'm wondering if there yeah. was, was there ever any hesitation on your part when you come from, um, you know, an accomplished family as you did and, and everyone's going to these very well um, reputable universities and, and colleges to, was there any hesitation to go that creative way as opposed to, you know, business, doctor, lawyer? Or was uh, there? No, you know, not at all. I mean, Good. my parents were always extremely supportive, and no, not no. at all. Okay. Didn't even hesitate. Yeah. Listen, I, you know, Kara, when, um, when I spoke to you prior to the show, I, I know that you understand, you know, one of the things we try to always do on the show is, um, give um, some some personal sides of the women and kind of what has really been a significant uh, experience in their life that has not only shaped what they're doing but really kind of fueled it. And um, I wanted you to talk for a little bit about the um, your your divorce from your husband. There was a time when you were in New York and really faced. Um, the decision that you had to go off and be on your own. Um, can you sure. talk about well, that? You know, yeah, I mean, I, again, I grew up in a very, very close, tight-knit, wonderful family, and I was very lucky and fortunate with a lot of things. And I got married very soon after college. I had a really lovely wedding at the the Union League in Philadelphia. It was Everything was fabulous. And started on this journey, and then only to, you know, and I had married a successful uh, Wall Street trader, and then only to find that he was um, bipolar and a gambling addict. 
And I, at the time, had two very, very small daughters. And he had the, the, all of the college tuition was gambled away. He had borrowed and lost uh, multiple friends' money. I found this out post-divorce. And it was just very clear that um, for the sake of the kids and I, I had to get away. And so I left with myself, the kids, some unimpressive furniture, and a small growing jewelry business. And thank God I had the business because had I not, I would have been um, on my parents' couch with my kids. And it was very scary. I mean, I, everything was on my shoulders. I I didn't have any inherited money. I didn't. I left with and had never got a penny in child support nor alimony. So I was a divorced um, mother living in New York City, which is a very expensive city to live in, with two small uh, daughters, and um, everything was on my shoulders. And it was scary. It was intimidating. It was. I mean, at times it just felt completely overwhelming and like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah, <laughs> and, how old um, were your girls, Kara, at that when you left? Uh, they were one and three. Wow, wow. They were they were one and three. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had, um, you know, at this point I had been in the fine jewelry world, you know, God, five years. I um, and I had so I had the degree. I was selling a collection under my maiden name, which is Gaffney to Nima Marcus, and I had what was growing a very successful word-of-mouth diamond business. And um, so I did tons of diamond rings for clients, um, uh, mostly men, investment bankers, Wall Street traders. And, um, my gosh, I got so many referrals. I think I did entire trading desks at Goldman, at Solomon, you know, Deutsche Bank. And these men, they again, they knew they knew. I was going to give them something that was going to make them look like a hero. They were going to get a beautiful <laughs> ring. They were right. going to get a get it at a great price, and and they were going to look like a hero. And then they gave my name to so many other of their friends and coworkers, and and this small growing business was able to keep a roof over our heads, food in our mouth. I was able to pay for the kids to go to private school. I was actually um, able to save up enough money that I made an investment in a um, through a f- very good friend who um, allowed me into a deal, into a internet startup, and um, so then that was a s- very that was a successful uh, investment. And then the, those you know years of having to worry, how am I going to pay for that monthly, all of those monthly ex- expenses was kind of alleviated. And so I really, honestly, like believe in I I know the power of designing, creating, bringing product to market, selling it, you know, had I not done that, again, I don't know where I would have been. So that that's in this next chapter of my life, um, that's what I want to do. I want to help women create sustainable, self-reliant work that's going to transform their lives, just like it did mine. And and that's what we're really working on. And I've, I've been lucky in my career. I've had a successful career. I've sold to the best stores in the world. I, you know, had an office in London. i have an office here in New York. I did stuff for the White House. I, but I, I just feel like it's time to give back now, and that's that's really where I am in my life. So, well, let me ask you this. So, you obviously you had the expertise and you you had the creativity and you knew what you were doing. Tell me mm-hmm. where you got the courage. Where, where did that emotional? Well, there wasn't really any from? other option. So it was so just was no this is option. what I have to do. Yeah, it wasn't like I had to think about it, that there was no other option. And, 
you know, one I mean, one of the other wonderful things about having that business and working my butt off, which I did, I worked all the time. I mean, I was seeing clients in my living room and educating them about diamonds and the babysitter was giving the girls the bath in the other room. And I, I mean, I can only imagine what these Wall Street guys were thinking. But again, they were happy because, you know, I was making them look good and they were getting a fabulous ring at a great price. And so, but there really was no other option. And I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud of my business. I'm proud of the fact that I never had to ask anyone for money. And I was able to be completely independent. And what could have really resulted in just awful, an awful situation, really, it forced me into seeing like how strong I I can do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I it was very difficult. I mean, I'm not. It was very very difficult. And there were points when I thought I don't know how I'm going to do this. And um, but. Well, it's so much harder uh, you when know. you have children, right? I mean, the stress alone of a, of growing a company um, is one thing. But when, you know, you have children, they're always your first priority. So it just makes everything uh, of course. that much harder. And yeah. Making sure that they go to a good school, making sure that they're happy, making sure that, I mean, they're, they are – you know they were and they are they always they are they're you know when you have a child it's your first priority mm-hmm. and i my kids i am so proud of them i have two beautiful smart awesome daughters one is graduating from cornell in june the other one graduated from dartmouth two years ago and um they uh they they i'm very proud of how they've turned out so are, are either of them in the creative fields um, the one, the the one who's graduating Cor- Cor- um, Cornell wants to get her master's in um, early childhood education, and she wants to be a teacher. Okay. So she's applying um, to do that now, and then after that, she wants to get a master's in public policy and fix the public school system. There you go. <laughs> so I good. Say good luck on good. that. Yeah. <laughs> good That's a challenge. Luck on that. Yeah, but we need it. We <laughs> need it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And how about your and other? And then my other one. She is, yes, she's a little bit, she's more creative, not to say that they're both not creative. She's working in the CBS page program, and she wants to get into content creation and content development for TV, um, scripted uh, TV. So, uh, yeah, so they're both great. Well, they're in the right place. Um, For sure. Yeah. Getting back to what you mentioned about the the men, your clients. First of all, I want to know if you can tell us about your very first client. You know, that that first client where you knew, okay, this is actually going to be a sustainable um, business for me, and I'm going to be successful. Well, it, honestly, it probably um, – well, Neiman Marcus was my first um, client for my collection. Okay. So Neiman Marcus bought the collection, and I was in five Neiman Marcus stores, again, under the name Kara Gaffney, my mm-hmm. maiden name. At the same time, I also had a word-of-mouth diamond business, and that probably started with just doing friends and friends of friends rings. And then it completely grew from there, where which is the best kind of business because it was all referrals. That's right. And so, you know, you would tell so-and-so, so-and-so, and so would tell so-and-so, and it was unbelievable. I probably did at least five to ten rings every month. And, um, again, I worked all the time, and but I loved it, and it was great, and it was creative, and, and I was independent. And um, so I had both things going at the same time. I was doing the collection for the stores, my jewelry collection, mm-hmm. um, as well as the um, as well as the diamonds and literally working out of your apartment yeah yeah mm-hmm. wow 
And did you did you make a conscious? But it was great because the kids were there, you know. And I listen. Yeah. That's one of the one most wonderful things. And I, you know, most of the small businesses open that are being open nowadays are being opened by women. And one of the wonderful things about that is because if you do have young children, it affords. Listen, you were. I mean, I always think you work harder if your name is on the door. People think it's glamorous and all. It's you work harder. Yes, you might get the accolades, but more quickly than that, you will get any negative feedback. So you work so hard to make sure that that's not the case. And if you have young children, being able to work from home, it will really afford you a wonderful situation that you kind of had the best of both worlds. And so I was very, very lucky that um, that I had that. Yeah. D- did you make a conscious decision to market to men, you know, kind of knowing that that, that might be a, a, a lucrative way to go? Well, for the diamond business, I, to be quite honest, I didn't have to do any marketing. It, again, it was all word of mouth. The the jewelry collection under my name that I was selling to um, um, Neiman's, that there you advertise and you know and you put you know you do an ad in the Neiman Marcus catalog. Or um, I did a lot of. Um, I was very lucky. I, most of the jewelry that I created was one of a kind, very very interesting, unusual, and that also used interesting. Um, gemstones. Um, and so I got a lot of coverage from all the different fashion magazines. So that would be well, PR marketing. Um, I got a lot of uh, coverage that way. Yeah. So can you describe for the listeners, Kara, who may not have seen your collection, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what makes it stand apart? You know, kind of talk a little bit about what, what it was that had you stand out from the rest uh, of the yeah, field. Yeah, I mean, I believe, I, I, Sure, I believe um, jewelry is art. I think it's wearable art. As a, you know, painting and sculpture, print, photography are all art mediums. Mm-hmm. You can't wear any of those. Where to me, jewelry is sculptural. It's wearable, and it speaks about you as a person. It's also a commodity that is passed down from generation to generation and tells a story unlike anything else whereas you know if you can you pass a woman on a street and she's wearing a fabulous bracelet and you say oh susan love that where did you get that you probably you know oh i got it from such and such or oh my mother gave it to me or i bought it my husband or boyfriend got it for me as a present there's always a story Mm, with jewelry whereas if i said oh susan gee i like your car you'd say oh i got it down the street from the dealer (laughs) right not much of a story there There's no story. I'm telling you, like shoes, clothing, even houses, car, nothing. Jewelry is so powerful because it tells a story and it's and it's generational and it's it's really unlike anything else. And so, to me, knowing that and feeling that way, I I make pieces of art. Um, I have I have some of the best museums in the country have pieces um, of ours. I um, I mean, I've done so many things. It's hard to describe the type, but I I would. carve different gemstones I or I, I used um, interesting materials that weren't often used in fine jewelry like um, I used volcanic lava I used um, I used wood um, ebony 18 karat gold diamonds and these wood pieces can sit next to actually one of the best wood pieces in the is in the Boston Museum of Fine Arts right now um, I used white opal pink opal um, and many, many, many different things. But the point that they they should stand out. I guess I never believed that in little tiny, teeny weeny, tchotchke things. I always thought if I'm going to wear something, it should stand out, and mm. it should speak to me, and it should speak about me, and what I, um, and what I, what 
what's important to me. So the the pieces to me are they're they're unusual. They're art. They're they're not flowery. They're not. They're much more modern and um, bold. But, but, I would but very say. wearable. Yeah. 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 Very bold. Very yeah, bold. I would say bold yeah. Is a good adjective. Yeah. And they and represent yeah. something. I, you know, I love how you describe that. Um, anything that has a story is is so much more appealing. Can you tell me how, you know, when you are a creative soul, um, certain things inspire you? So where do your ideas and inspiration come from to create a piece? Um, Well, depending upon the gemstones that you're using, oftentimes they're so beautiful in and of themselves that you don't necessarily even need to do a lot to them to create a piece because you work around the, the beauty that it is. Mm. Um, other times, um, I love to travel. I've been fortunate in my life. I've been able, I always look to travel. I, I love vintage fashion. I love flea markets. I love, I, 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 I go to art shows. I go to museums. I, I, I love contemporary art. Um, and so I, I guess I look to art to travel to different colors, different color combinations. Um, I think it's just honestly, it's just leaving yourself open to something, and you never know what's going to hit you. Yeah, that's that's exciting. You know, I uh, as someone who is not creative in that way, uh, I always envy those who who can take something and create something beautiful from it. I think what a wonderful, you know, it doesn't really seem like work. Yeah, well, it's so nice as also as a woman. A, I can wear what I create. My daughters can wear it. I'm, friends can wear it. You know, friends. Yes. Friends. It's it, it's just a wonderful thing, and also to have the collections um, been sold and and featured. And it's so nice to know that people appreciate your work also. I think that makes you feel really good. That's right, and see it out and about. Um, Listen, Kara, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into, you know, the catalyst for your decision to start this new foundation and and what you're planning. Sure. Okay, we'll be right back. Sure, sure, sure. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm pleased to announce the opening of the region's newest, most innovative gynecology practice in the Philadelphia area in mid-November, Montgomery Gynecology. Led by Dr. Hima Janogada in a welcoming boutique-style setting, she and her team are committed to providing the highest standard of cutting-edge care without losing the personal touch that is so very important in today's world. 
With a particular interest in minimally invasive surgical options, Dr. Hema completed advanced training in robotic surgery and is one of only two surgeons in Montgomery County who performs this highly specialized single-site robotic surgery. For more information on the opening of this exciting new practice in the convenient Plymouth Meeting location, go to www.montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411. That's montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411 to make an appointment today. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm happy to have with me this afternoon Kara Ross. Again, Kara is an award-winning um, jewelry designer, CEO, and creative director of Kara Ross New York, and she is also the CEO and founder of an organization called Unleash, which will be rebranding uh, very soon and, and going to be a very exciting launch. Um, Kara's organization is going to bring social impact and job creation to women and girls globally. So, Kara, let's let's talk about. Um, I'd love to know kind of the moment and perhaps where you were when you decided. You know, it's it's time for me to take all of the experience that I've had in my career um, and my life and and do something for women. Um, was, was there was there an experience or a moment that was kind of the catalyst, or had you been thinking about it for uh, for quite a while? Well, well, I I would say that um, I you know it was it was more I'll tell you what happened I I took my um, diamond ring and I wanted to reset it and I wanted to reset it into something that was really cool and unusual and a bit aggressive and. So I created this um, platinum snake that wraps up your finger, and the the mouth of the snake is literally engulfing or eating the diamond, and it's just it's awesome. And I wear it on my right hand, and um, so so the whole process of creating this very unusual ring for a mounting, I should say, for the diamond, and wearing it on my right hand, got comments like, "What? why are you wearing it on your right hand? You know, are you getting a divorce? You know, what? why aren't there more diff- unusual rings like that? I've never seen anything like that. And, uh, you know, so many, and so, and, but it kept coming back, why are you wearing this on your right hand? And then, so it really kind of started bothering me because I was like, that's just so crazy. And I started doing a research and you know the whole campaign of um a diamond is forever and love being synonymous with diamonds was cr- literally created in the 1940s by the ad agency NWR which was based in Philadelphia um and they were hired by De Beers to sell more diamonds and it was a creative director uh, who was a woman who came up with the whole concept and her partner at the agency was the one that who had the brain you know child of placing all of these diamonds on these celebrities so that then the the, the normal person would say oh my god look at elizabeth taylor i want a diamond like that and oh elizabeth taylor is saying her diamond was given to her because you know Eric, well, what's his name? Richard Burton loves her so much or blah, blah. And anyhow, but it was all created. It was completely manufactured. And that campaign has been voted the most successful ad campaigns ever, right? And so the the it just – when you think about that association and wearing it on your left hand and a man has to buy a woman a diamond – 
it's really the only commodity in today's society where there's a stigma attached to a woman buying something for herself. Like if I said to you, hey, Susan, would you go buy yourself a car? You'd probably say, sure, I would. If I said, would you buy yourself a fancy piece of furniture or a piece of art? You'd sure, I would. Would you buy yourself a diamond? Most women would all of a sudden just stop in their tracks and say, oh, my gosh, well, gee, I'd like to, but I'm hoping so-and-so will get it for me or, you know, this and that. And it's just so funny. And, you know, when you look at where women are today in the world, it just seems so antiquated and so so dated that the hardest substance, the strongest substance on earth, frankly, it should stand for the strength that women have. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is when you look at the adjectives that describe a diamond, beautiful, strong, multifaceted, unbreakable, and brilliant. And I've always thought those kick-ass adjectives, that describes women. And so this is the elasticity of the diamond is so big because, again, it's one of few things in the world today that you can bring anywhere in the world. And you can say to someone in Ethiopia, do you know what a diamond is? Then you go to Mexico. Do you know what a diamond is? Go anywhere. Everyone has an idea of what a diamond is. You know, Their idea and your idea might be different in terms of the look of it or the aesthetics of it, but it's all going to be held up to the epitome of excellence. And, and honestly, that's where I think women's strength should be uh, – valued at. And so it was really that and thinking about that and thinking, my God, this this is really powerful. And so work and then just giving back, how do you create the next generation of strong women? I've been I've been very lucky in my life and I think you know, and then it just became clear, you know, I I really want to focus on this. And so I completely changed the business to be a vehicle for philanthropy and I've stopped manufacturing the different collections and I am working on this full force right now and really having a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of work as anything uh, I think that is um, worthwhile is, but it's it's going really well and I love it. Yeah, it, it's very exciting. And as any new organization or, or business or foundation, um, particularly in, in nonprofit, things evolve, right? And so when you first started, it was called Diamonds Unleashed. And mm-hmm. um, and now you're going to be rebranding, and it's going to be unleashed. Um, I wrote mm-hmm. down a, a quote, something you said. You said, I want to help women create sustainable, self-reliant work that will transform their lives. I love mm-hmm. that because um, in addition to the fact that, you know, you have been a gemologist and in jewelry and the diamond, as you said, really represents women, you're now taking it to a whole nother level and – expanding this to um, provide jobs for women and young girls in countries that typically don't have the same experiences um, or opportunities, I should say, as we do here in the Mm -hmm. U.S. So talk a little bit about how Unleashed is going to differ from Diamonds Unleashed. Well, you know, it just it just became clear that the – well, first of all, what I know best and what I'm – good at as because I've been doing it for quite a while is again bringing product to market beautiful desirable product I mean there's a difference between you know working with someone in a different country and giving them an order for 20 or 30 things and the 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 pieces that you create might be cute or nice but and you'll buy one or two just to support a friend but you're not going to wear it to 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 designing and creating 
really beautiful, chic product that someone's going to say, wow, I want that and I want it right now and I want to wear it tonight. That's what you need. And so it's it's working with the design, which I love, the design, the creation of that and commissioning different women to do what they do best. So you know, we, this this started very organically last year in 2016. My younger daughter was studying at the University of Cape Town, and my other daughter and I went to go visit her. And um, we did the typical touristy things there. And but then, then in one day, we also went to to tour the townships. And the townships um, in Cape Town are these very very impoverished areas. Then the next day, we went to something called the Watershed, where they have it's this big, beautiful building, and different artists and artisans can um, sell their product there. So we went in there, and I saw the most amazing line of clothing for little girls. And then I found out that it was made by the women in the townships, and I, I just couldn't believe it because this product could be sold at Bergdorf's or Neiman's or anywhere. So it was great looking. So I met the woman who started it. I met the woman who was in charge of the, the sewers in the township. Um, we we created our, a custom created a beautiful South um, traditional South African fabric called Shui Shui, and we commissioned women in one township to create the clothing for the little girls, and we created we commissioned the women in the other township to um, do these little hand crocheted pocket mice, and the little pocket mice, and we named her Diamond the Pocket Mouse. They live in the pockets of the clothing for the little girls because they remind little girls that they're like diamonds and unbreakable mm. and beautiful. I've and seen them. I love and them. It, yeah, they're beautiful. Oh my God! It it was so much fun because I met the people involved. You could see what the work means to them. It was really powerful. But because it was very organic, it wasn't in terms of the distribution and the the PR marketing rollout. It wasn't as it wasn't as good as it could have been because I was just so excited about the whole thing. I just wanted to do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm, and it was great. And I was so glad I did, but like, so the one this year that we're doing, we're working in, we're going to be working um, with a town with um, women in a town, uh, the town of Borelli, which is right outside of Delhi. Mm-hmm. And in India, mm-hmm. they are known for their beading and embroidery, um, which I've come to find is most often done by men. So we have, you, you know how um, Indian women wear the circular disc in their um, in the middle of their foreheads. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's called a bit a bindi, and it's a very important part of the um, culture in India. So taking the bindi as the design inspiration, we've created this really beautiful multicolor circular pattern. And we're going to make um, organic, sustainable T-shirts, which will be um, all created in India. But the shape of the T-shirt is great. It's a little longer sleeve, a little boxier, shorter. It's just a, it's a perfect shape. And then all, creating like these kind of epaulets, epaulets, it's if you will, like over the shoulders of these beautiful multicolor circular bindis all over. Mm. And um, so, and then we're going to go over. So, we're going to go over to India and meet the women. And so, on this, we'll have retail partners, media partners. So, this is something that we're trying. We're we're getting everything lined up right now, and it's really exciting. And we actually just um, we've got the sample shirts, and uh, it's it's going to be awesome. Mm, that really, is really exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I, you know, it's so um, it's so fun to to go from one project to another, and not only that, but you know, creating these these beautiful pieces, but be giving these women jobs, you know, that, that, that means something. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I read, Kara, that this was surprising to me, that um, men are often the ones doing the beading and embroidery in, in India. Yeah, I know. Really I, to be honest, surprising. I didn't know that. I, I, just, I, I didn't know that either. And, and so it was a lot. Uh, can I tell you how many people I had to speak to to identify a collective of women yes. who are really talented at this? And it, not that other women couldn't be as talented, but they're just not give, they're not given the work. So in this one particular township, um, of Borelli, not township, but village, I should say, um, these, this collective of women um, are doing the work. And again, the first sample that we got today, and it's on my, I did an Instagram story with it today. If you go on um, either um, unle- at, at Unleashed or at Kara Ross NY, mm-hmm. you'll see, um, you'll see the pictures and the um, Instagram story and they're awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, one, listen, one of the other things that you're doing I wanted you to take a few minutes to talk about was your partnership with Dress for Success and Girl Up. Uh, tell me about those right. partnerships and so, yeah, and what you're doing. Sure. Like, so when I started, when I, when we start, when I changed um, the business to be about philanthropy, I decided that so each, in, in, in addition to doing these job creation programs, I wanted to support um, two nonprofits every year. So last year was um, Girl Up and Girls Who Code. And this year, I'm really excited. It's, um, sorry, this year is going to be um, Girl Up and um, Dress for Success. Um, and they, they're they really wonderful. Dress for, are you familiar with Dress for Success? I am, yes. Success? Yes, I am. It, it's, it's just wonderful. And yeah. Joy Gordon runs it, and she's just such an inspiration. And they really um, give women who are just, everyone needs a helping hand sometime, right? I mean, right. I needed to, you know, and whether it's being given a job or an opportunity or a advice or a helping hand everyone is a, in a position where at some point in your life you need a helping hand and, and I don't mean a handout I mean a helping hand again whether it's an advice or something and so dress for success is just wonderful um, at really giving women a step up and putting them in a position where they will be able to succeed and get a fabulous job and and um make a positive uh, change in their life and girl up is part of the uh, un the, the un foundation and mm-hmm. they work with um underprivileged um girls in different third world countries and helping them get an education so um in addition to the um job creation we'll be doing in india we'll also be working with both of those really really wonderful charities yeah tell me kara what do you say to to people that say we're not kind of paying enough attention to uh, women in our own country um well i think that there's people in need all all over the place and i think um you know, we like in what I'm particularly doing. So the next job creation program we'll be doing in next year, I'm hoping we can organize it in this country. Like I'm thinking specifically Detroit. Um, so you have to identify what uh, kind of craftsmanship can be done in different areas and bring it to market. But I, th- I think that there's need everywhere, and I think you know you can just you can try as much as you can. I mean, I remember when Oprah Winfrey, who's a huge philanthropist, like one just a rock star, she she opened some schools. I think it was Johannesburg. Yes. And P- she spent a lot of money donating her own money, creating really wonderful schools. And I remember hearing people go, people complaining about the fact that this wonderful woman, oh, she's not she's not spending her money here. She, my God, 
She's you, doing so much good. Yes, and well, you're right. You go where the her need money. Is. Yes, yes. It's her money, and she can decide where she chooses to spend it. And my, why would you even question that? Not to mention she's probably also the type of woman that is giving money right, left, and center to help tons of people and just not talking about it. That's right. Um, so I, what do I say to people like that? I think that there's a need everywhere, and I think you should. You can try to do what you can. You should give till it you know feels good and you know that's what I say well I think you you know when you talked about your the story of being in Cape Town with your daughter and how that organically happened so you're visiting your daughter she's studying over there you come across this village you meet these women um you know sometimes it's best to just let things come to you you know um and as you said yeah. yeah there's need everywhere just absolutely everywhere and I don't think people can argue that the United States of America has opportunities that, you know, many, many other countries do not have. Um, so it, it really doesn't matter where you're giving as long as you're you're giving and helping. Yeah, I mean, if you can, it's a wonderful thing to be able to. And I was in India with some girlfriends a few years ago, and I mm-hmm. loved, I loved my experience there, and so did my friends. And I I left there thinking, A, I want to go back, and, and B, if I could ever do something to help out, I, I would do that. So that also happened, I guess, I mean, it's it was a few years ago, but that stuck with me. So when I was thinking about this year, that's I really wanted to, to make that happen. Well, that is a special place. You know, one of our um, contributors for our Girls to Watch blog is from India, and, you know, again, she came into to my life very organically and, and now is a part of what we're doing. So I do, I find that often to be the most authentic partnerships, things that just kind of come about um, because of who you come across. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it, it's like leaving yourself open. That's right. That's right. I always tell my kids, walk through life with your head up and your eyes open, <laughs> which is tough <laughs> for kids like today, that. right? They're, they're yes. on their well, phones. Well, they're always got their head in their phones. They so do, do we, by the way. I know. I know. So do I. I know. Can you talk, are you planning any more of the salon series? That's where uh, you and I met at a wonderful salon series that you had last year. Yeah, we're actually doing one on March 23rd. It will be held at Samsung. And uh, Samsung and Morgan Stanley will be um, sponsors. And it's, I'm so excited. It's going to be um, Women Disrupting the Digital Landscape of Media. And we have Ann Fulton Weider, who's the editor-in-chief of uh, Marie Claire, being the moderator. We have um, the editor-in-chief of Pure Wow, which is an online women's lifestyle they call themselves a publish a publisher, even though there's no paper associated with it. And the editor in chief is Mary Kate McGrath. Um, and we have got um, two other um, amazing um, people on the panel as well. So it's going to be great. That's a, um, an event in New York, Samsung, yeah, New York. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- and tell me what um, when you think about Kara, this whole women's empowerment um, arena, let's say, and it truly is. Global, And there are many, many women doing incredible things because, as you know, when women see a need, you know, they they jump on it. They want to solve problems and, and change things. And we have incredible organizations and we have um, leaders and uh, we have also diversity and inclusion initiatives within corporations really trying to lift women up. Can you tell me personally what you think 
is something that kind of gets women stuck, you know, um, keeps them in a place where, um, you know, they're not really using their God-given talents and, and working to their potential. Well, I mean, you hear often um, that women don't speak up as much. They don't ask for the raises. They don't demand as much, whereas a male, male counterpart will demand, or I want a bonus, I want this, I want that. And I think women women probably don't like to talk about money as much, don't like to do that. They, uh, they question themselves. Um, there's, you know, I, I mean, my gosh, I think we all do that. You know, you all, not to say that you don't put yourself down, but you just, you know, I don't think women are, we're just built differently. Um, so, and I think it's about trying to see things a different way and saying it's, it's okay to say, hey, I'm great at this, you know, and I deserve that because I'm the best person for the job. Um, so I think sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit, which is tough. Um but you know, I, I I don't know the right answer for that. I think there's a lots of there's lots of different situations that, you know, we can all strive to be better. I and I agree. You know, there's there is a combination of reasons. You know, um, historical, cultural uh, reasons uh, that that women are still kind of working hard to get to that uh, place, whatever that place is. You know, whether it is corporate or um, local in their communities. Um, is there, when you think about your organization, um, is there a specific mission that you want, other than the broad topic of, you know, empowering women? Is there something that you'd really like to see change for them? Whether it's, you know, for women, yeah. In other words, is it women um, financially to be independent? Is it for women, you know, more women to become entrepreneurs? Um, well, I think I think there's already so much progress already happening. I think again, most small businesses that are open now are open by women. I mean, I read a great article today in the FT, and it was how young millennial women don't think that there is any, there is no impediment for um, progress or for them to be running the companies and to be in the C-suites. Yes, so isn't that I, great? I think that there is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, so I think that. There already there is a lot of progress. Not to say that there isn't more, but I also think you know women have a different set of circumstances than men. It's generally women that are staying. If someone is going to stay home with the children, it's generally women. And so it would be very hard to be a partner at a major Wall Street uh, investment uh, firm or a, at a law firm um, and to raise you know three great children. If you had maybe one child, but two or three or four, that would be a very tough situation. So I think, um, you know, women have different circumstances, um, not challenges, circumstances, and then you have to make decisions based on, on what's important to you. And if, you know, so these are, there's a lot of decisions that men don't really have to grapple with. So it's not men that are stepping off of the corporate uh, ladder. It's generally women because they're deciding to stay at home. And that's not right or wrong. It's it's an individual decision. That's um, right. So yeah. um, I don't Car- think anyone can judge someone else's, you know. I mean, I've got two amazing sisters. One graduated from Penn, one from uh, Harvard. And the one has five kids. The other has four kids. Well, there is no, and they're, they're super, super smart and could run any 
company they wanted, but you're not going to have five or four children that are super strong, well-adjusted, awesome kids. And at the same time, you know, it's just you have to make choices, you know. Yeah, and you know what? Some, timing can be everything sometimes, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't ever want women to, to be grappling with, gosh, you know, how they're viewed, whether they decide to stay at home or go to work. It's it's absolutely a personal decision, and sometimes, you know, it's not a matter of having it all, um, right? We talk about that all the time, having it all. Well, you, you know, you just have to make – um, decisions for you today. You what is working you can't today? Have it all. And that's right. You can't. It's yeah. unrealistic. You, you, you can't have it all. So I mean, first and foremost, you have to just believe you can't have it all. But what can you have that you can you can create? You know, a wonderful situation for you and your family, and what's important to you. And then make make what you can have have that be your all. Do you know, it doesn't need yes. make yeah. that be the best that you can be. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Um, we just have a moment left, Kara. I think what you're doing is really extraordinary. I'm so excited to watch the continued growth um, of Unleashed oh, and, and all of the different pro- uh, different uh, projects that you're going to be working on. And uh, for the listeners, if they want to be in touch to, to find out um, all about uh, the different programs that you're working on, what's the best way to reach out? Well, my um, email is Kara at KaraRossNY.com, or we have um, Unleashed-World.com, which will be coming soon. And um, on Instagram and um, Twitter, I'm, I'm at KaraRossNY, or you could go on um, at Unleashed. And um, But, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. I sincerely appreciate it. And, um, yeah, this is fun. Thanks, Kara. It was great to speak to you. We'll be sharing all of your information as well across our media platforms. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. That's it, everybody, for another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. Make it a great week.